Once again, thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. Tonight, we are going to focus on rebuilding families, rebuilding families. Let me say this from the beginning, all institutions or anything that God has created has a 100% chance of success. And this should give you hope that even your relationship that may be in rocks right now as I speak, even your family that may look dysfunctional as I speak right now, you have a 100% chance of success. That must be encouraging. But there's only one condition, provided we do it under, I mean, we do it God's way. Because God provides us some rules. He provides us some, some guides that we need to follow. And as long the husband follows that, as long the wife follows that, I assure you, you have a 100% chance to succeed. Every marriage relationship has the potential to be successful. It may look complicated right now. You know, when you go on Facebook, there is uh, sometimes they will ask you to, uh, they will ask you to, to, you know, to, to identify your relationship status, married, divorced, and all those single. And there is another option. They say complicated. Maybe even if you are at that point now, you feel like my relationship, it's complicated. Let me assure you, there is potential for success. One other thing you have to understand, you know, I'm talking under the assumption that here we are talking to married couples. I'm addressing people who are married. And anything that I'm going to talk about here, uh, it, it will be under the understanding that everybody is a husband or it's a wife. Your wife or your husband is not your enemy. Your husband is not fighting against you. Your wife is not against you. We have a common enemy. Our enemy is the devil. The one who's bringing division and misunderstanding is the devil. And once you understand that, even when you argue with your wife, even when you have a challenge with your wife, you have to understand that your wife is not your enemy. Your husband is not your enemy. And what's going to happen is sometimes there are people who are just dysfunctional and people who like chaos. So dysfunctional people always, they want to create chaos because they only function when there is chaos. And what happens is when you create a functional environment, dysfunctional people always remove themselves. I have seen this in organizations. I have seen this in churches. I have seen this in different places. You know? So when you create a, a functional environment, a normal environment, they always just want to, to create a chaos. And that's not what we are here for. Chaos is from the devil. Chaos is not from God. God is a God of order. And he wants to see order even in our families. One thing that I'm going to emphasize, maybe I'll spend, I'll spend about 10 minutes or 15 minutes talking about this. You have to get your, your heart right. In order to get everything right, your heart must be right. It will be a waste of time. I've attended a lot of marriage seminars and they talk about, you know, you have to bring your husband, your, your, your wife some flowers. When, they, when you come back from work, your, your wife has to kiss you and all this. It's okay. 
But that will only happen if both of you are happy. If the other one is angry, no matter what kind of strategies and tactics, you can do everything you want to do, all the different styles, you can try them. But if the other one is not happy, it's just a waste of time. So everything is about the heart. And we'll spend some time talking about the heart. We'll spend some time talking about the heart. One thing that I like about you know, what Pastor Thomas said, which is very true, there is no perfect marriage relationship. Don't think your relationship is worse than other people's relationships. None of us have a perfect marriage relationship. We all have challenges. But the difference is we have to fight against those challenges together. We have to stay united. We have to work together if we want to be, to be successful in our relationship. One other thing which is very important, and you'll see it towards the end, do not try to change or manipulate your spouse. There is nobody that you are able to change. The only person that you can change is you. Let me tell you, my brother, let me tell you, my sister, if you can be able to change your husband, if you can be able to change your wife, please give us your phone number. You will make a lot of money. Everybody would like to come to you to help you change their spouses. <laughs> you can't change another human being. Only God can do that. And the, most of the problems that we have in our relationships, it's when I try to change my wife to become my duplicate. It's when you try to change your husband to become your duplicate. Why don't you, you do things like me? Why don't you think like me? Why don't you like Kaiser Chiefs like me? Why don't you like Red like me? Why don't you like the political party that I like? Why don't you like what to eat what I eat? Why don't you like to go where I go? Why don't you do things like me? Why don't you try to understand me as if I'm the perfect person that you need to, to duplicate or you need to replicate? Who told you that your preferences are the, are the perfect preferences? Just because you prefer something, it does not make it right. Because you always want him to think like you. You want her to think like you. You want her to prefer what you prefer. And when you fail to make her or make him like that, then you get angry. You get annoyed. You can't change another human being. The only person that you can change is the person that you saw on the mirror this morning when you woke up. That is the only person that you have the power to change. You can't change your children. You can't change your husband. Even if you try to nag and nag and nag, you'll talk about the same thing. I'm sure by now you have noticed. You'll talk about the same thing for 100 years. And the person will never change because you can't change another human being. You can't change another human being. The only way is for the person himself to make a decision that I want to change. When a person makes a decision that they want to change, that is real change. If they change because you force them to change, that's what I call cosmetic change. Our sisters will understand this better. You know, you put on cosmetic when you go out to the people. When you come back, you remove everything that you have put on. Then you become the real you. So, your wife will change cosmetically. Your husband will change temporarily. But they will default to their normal settings. They will default to who they are. Until they want to make their own change. They want to make real change inside. You know, it's like when you use a computer. If you have an Apple uh, 
system inside it. Whatever you type, it does not change the system until you remove the old operating system and put the Microsoft system. Then you'll have something different. The engine has to change. The operating system has to change. The person has to change. Focus on what we can keep happening, not, we, not what we can make happen. And this is very important. Relationships, it's a marathon. It's not a one-time event. In case something goes wrong, go back to the original. What is it that attracted you to him? What is it that attracted you to her? What is it that was fun at that point? Can you try to replicate that? Can you go back to that? Because if you focus on what's, going, what's happening right now, you may find out there are things that have changed. What is it that changed? Why did he change? Why did she change? You know, so it's a marathon. You must have a heart or a mentality of a marathon runner. It's not, it's not a sprint. It's not a short distance run. Actually, the Bible says marriage is a lifetime journey. It's a lifetime journey. So we just have to work on it. Marriage is work. It's a full-time job. You can't just relax and expect it and put it on autopilot or speed cruise and expect it to run automatically. You have to work on it every day. You have to put some effort for it to succeed. Today, we're going to talk about a few things. Number one, what is love? Number two, we'll talk about relationships problems. And we'll talk about the heart issue, the one that I talked about earlier. And we'll also talk about meeting the unmet need. This is very important. And if we have time, if we have time, we'll talk about relationship killers. Things that destroy or kill our relationships. And now we can prevent that. And then I have some few resources to recommend. And one of them is Pastor Newell's tallest book, The 26 Proven Principles to Enrich Your Marriage. Let's look at love. Everybody talks about love. There are actually there are more songs about love than any other subject in the whole world. Everybody talks about love, but the question is, do they really understand what is love? As Christians, our basic understanding of love should come from the word of God. If I say I love somebody, if I say my wife loves me, my husband loves me, what, what do I mean? If I come to you and say I love you, what does that mean? 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, that is the exact definition of love. These are the things that will happen when you say you love somebody. When somebody says they love you, these are the things that you should expect. Nothing more and nothing, nothing less. This should be your expectations. This should be what you expect out of any person who says he loves you. Anybody who says they love you, they should be doing this. They should be doing this. The Bible says love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. Love is not proud. And love is not rude. 
I'm reading it slowly because I want you to, to absorb it. And ask yourself, is this what I'm experiencing in my marriage? When somebody says they love you because they send you a flower, but as they read, you know, let's make love a verb, not a noun. Be patient with your spouse. Be kind with your spouse. Don't be jealous. Don't be boastful. Don't, don't be proud. Because when you're proud, you feel like you're better than your spouse. Don't be rude. Just be nice to him. Just be nice to her. It does not demand its own way. To me, this sounds like selfishness. Love is not selfish. It is not irritable. And it keeps no records of being wrong. You remember, you remember when Nelson Mandela was still a president? This is what you said to me. No, 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 no. That's not the right way of doing it. You remember what, this is what you said yesterday, and you keep condemning and hitting hard on him or her. He does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. We have to be honest with one another. Love never gives up. Don't give up on your spouse. Never loses hope. Never loses faith. And endures through every circumstances. You have to learn to endure no matter what the challenges you will come across. I want us to do something quickly. I will spend maybe the next two minutes or so. You can go on uh, the chat. I want you to list anything that you can think of. Anything that is a problem or a challenge that people have in marriage, relationship. Just go ahead and list them on the chat. Just go ahead, go ahead and list them and write anything uh, that are some of the problems that people experience in marriage relationships. Feel free to, uh, to write them right now as, as we talk. Or if there is anybody who wants to share, you can, yeah, dishonesty, I see. Uh, Sister Ntago said this dishonesty. Is anybody else? Financial issues. Pasambungane wrote for financial issues. Is there anybody else who has anything? Feel free to share. Just write anything that you know these are some of the problems. Not it may not necessarily be yours, but anything that people encounter in their marriage relationships. Communication. Communication. Uh, Pastor Hodiso, yes. Communication, lack of communication, brother Abiyash Komban. Yes, that is so true. That is so true. Sister Sharon uh, says infidelity. That is very true also. Not having quality time with each other, Sister Mshuti. Yes, that is true. Doctor Garish says poor communication. Yes, that is true. Uh, Sister Bridget says communication also. Uh, Sister Prudence. Uh, Manasseh says lies. Yes, it's true. Uh, Pastor Aubrey says tr trust. Sister Ntago says uh, secrecy. Yes, that is very true. And it agrees with uh, Sister Rolani says secrets. You know, suspicions. That's Pastor Tumelo. Yes, that's very true. Brother Abia says uh, inconsideration. You know, being, being inconsiderate. And Sister Bignosia talks about take, uh, taking each other for granted. Yes, that is so true. And we have uh, Sister Tengi who says finances. Uh, Sister Yulet uh, Manasseh says 
uh, insecurities. That is very true. Stantago says indifference, yes. Uh, Pastor Supuru, thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. He says being impatient with one another. That is so true. And Sister Fikile says uh, disrespect. You know, that is so true also. And our sister Portia Manzini says selfishness. Wow, that is a big one. That is a big one. And we're going to deal with that tonight. We're going to deal with that tonight also. Okay, you can keep on writing as we continue. What if I can tell you that there is a pill? You know, Sister Bignosha talks about criticism. We're going to talk about criticism shortly. Jealousy and unloving, grudges. Sister Rulani talks about grudges. You know, if I can tell you that there is a pill that can solve all these problems. All these problems can be solved, even tonight. Sister Sharon talked about uh, shalom, talked about pride. You know, Sister Grace talks about disrespect. Sister Grace Sibanda, she's, she's, she's joining us from, from Botswana. Thank you for joining us tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, we have Sister Tinyego talks about dishonesty and faithfulness. Yes, Pastor Spuru. That is so true. Undermining one another. Sister Patience uh, Shingange, all the way from Kwanko. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. If I can tell you that there is a, pool, a, a pill that can solve all these issues. All these issues are a heart issue. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. <laughs> Yesterday I was giving, I was talking to Pastor Thomas and we, we even laughed about it. There's a song, you know, that we used to sing a long time ago, and we used to sing, it talks about the heart. It says, the main problem with a human being is the heart. Is the heart. Is the heart. Sira samu tukipilu. Oh, Sira samu. Yes, even computation. It's all a hard issue. Sister Lumka, all the way from Cape Town. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. From actually joining us from East London. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Yes, the main issue, the main problem with a person is the heart. Is the heart. And I want to spend some few minutes talking about the heart. The heart. Because that's where all these problems that we talked about, they come from. The, look at what the Bible says. God saw it long time ago in the book of Proverbs, in the, in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament. God says all the problems that we have, above all is, all else. Proverbs chapter 423. Above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. Guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. It determines the course of your life. Everything that you do is about the heart. If you can check your heart, and it's my prayer every day. I say, Lord, check my heart. David prayed the same prayer. Check my heart. Even in your relationship, it's all about your heart. It's all about the heart of your spouse. Check your heart. What is it that you see in your spouse? 
check your heart. Whatever you do to your spouse, it flows from, through from your heart. How you speak to your spouse, it's all about your heart. How you treat your spouse, it's all about your heart. If your heart can get right, your relationship will get right. Everything you do flows through or it flows from your heart. Check your heart, my brother. Check your heart, my sister. Do you really love him? Do you really love her? Check your heart. This is very, very important. Matthew chapter 15, verse 18, Jesus talked about the same thing. He says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That is what defines you. Whatever your husband says to you, whatever your wife says to you, it comes from his heart. It comes from her heart. You have to keep your heart pure. You have to keep your heart in the right direction. It says from the heart come evil thoughts. Check your heart, my brother. Check your heart, my sister. We can talk about all the techniques of marriage. We can talk about having sex three times a week, four times a week. If your heart is not in it, we're just wasting our time. Check your heart in your relationship. All the evil thoughts, they come from your heart. Murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying to one another, slander, talking bad about your wife, talking bad about your husband. It's all about your heart. It's all about your heart. Check your heart. Check your heart. Proverbs 23 verse 7 repeats the same thing. For as you think in your heart, so you are. The way you treat your wife, the way you treat your husband, it's all about your why your heart. Check your heart. Proverbs 27, 19 says, as the water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Oh my goodness. Whatever you, you do in your life, it just shows, it's the only reflection of your heart. There's no way I will know what you think. There's no way I will know how your heart is until you start to act. The Bible says your life, it's a reflection of your heart. It's a reflection of your heart. What is on your heart? This reminds me of a very interesting young, a very interesting man in Lipompo. He had a very beautiful map and he loved this map. And he hanged this map on the wall in his, uh, in his office at home. What happened is every day when he came back from work, he would go straight to that map and he would go through the map and he would look at these places, Makado, Mujajislu, Pulukwane, Zanin, Woodspread, you know, Orikstad, all these places. Lipalane and all these places. He would love to look at his map. He loved this map. He enjoyed this map. And one day when he came back from home, I mean from work, his boy, his young boy, he teared that map into pieces. Into pieces like this. His heart was broken. The wife did not even know what to do. She did not know what she will tell him when he comes back. Because she knew he loves that map. She knew he, he loves that map. There is nothing that he will do before he could go and, and, and look at that map. And every morning he will go to the map and enjoy that map. And he loves that map. To the wife's surprise, when he came back and she told him what the young boy did, 
43, four year old B. That gentleman, that, that husband, he was not annoyed. He just collected all the pieces. He collected all the pieces and he took them upstairs to the office. He closed the door and he stayed there for about three hours. About three hours. The wife was so scared. She did not know what he will do. She did not know what he's doing up there. But to her surprise, after three hours, the map was back to shape again. He was able to reconstruct the map. He was able to glue the map and tape the map together. And the wife was so surprised. And she asked the husband, what is it that you did? How could you remember all, the, all these towns, all these streets, all these rivers, all these mountains of Lipompo? How did you connect it with Kruger National Park and everything, Mutaba, everything, you? how did you connect it? Did you know all these things by then? And the gentleman, he smiled and he said, this map had two sides. At the back of the map, at the back of the map, there was a man who was worshipping. And all that I needed to do was to turn all the pieces, to turn and reverse them and reconstruct the man. And once I reconstructed the man and the man started to worship again, I was able to change. I was able to reconstruct the map to its shape again. Brothers and sisters, if, even if you can forget everything that I said today, there is a way to reconstruct the man. If you could be able to get the man right, the map will be right. If you're able to, to reconstruct the man and he starts to worship again, he starts to raise his hands again and worship again, the map will be right. I'm talking about your heart here. Once your heart is right, your marriage will be right. Once his heart could be right, your marriage will be right. Marriage only succeeds when both partners are willing to work on it. They have a heart for it. They have a heart for it. If, if, if you do not have the heart for it, nobody can squeeze you. Nobody can, can even try to turn your arm or twist your arm into it. You can't force a wife into a marriage that she has no interest in. You can't force a husband into a marriage that he's not interested in. Both of you must be ready to work on it. It's like when I want to, to, you know, to prepare an omelet and I have two eggs. Both eggs must be healthy. Both eggs must be right. If one of the eggs is rotten, I'll never have a good omelet. I'll never have a good omelet. If you have a good marriage, the husband's heart must be in it. The wife's heart must be in it also. Once you get the map right, once you get the man right, the map will automatically be fixed. All these other techniques, all these other things, you know, it's like patching up a hole. We have to get our hearts right. Your heart must be in that marriage, my sister. Your heart must be in that marriage, my brother. If your heart is no longer there, whatever we say, whatever we do, we're just wasting our time. The condition of your heart determines the quality of your marriage. 
The condition of your heart determines the quality of your marriage. If you have a good heart for the marriage, you'll have a good relationship. The quality of your marriage is a true reflection of your heart. Your heart is very, very important, my brother. Nothing will be done right if the heart is not right. If you don't get that man raising his hands worship again, there's no way you can get the map right. All institutions that God has created, like I've said, they have 100% chance of success, provided we do it God's way. Get the heart right to get everything right in your relationship. People treat one, one another, or you will treat your husband, you treat your wife based on the condition of your heart. All marriage relationships are growing every day. And this is very important. This is very important. You, have, you must have the right heart. My brother, you don't have a marriage problem. You have a heart problem. My sister, you don't have a relationship problem. You have a heart problem. You don't have a finances problem. You have a heart problem. You don't have a communication problem. You have a heart problem. You don't have a selfish problem or selfishness problem. You have a heart problem. You don't have unfaithfulness problem or dishonesty problem or pride problem or disrespect problem or grudges problem or criticism problem or jealousy problem or impatient problem or indifference problem or insecurity problem or finances problem. You know, you don't have a suspicious problem. You have a heart problem. You have a heart problem. If his heart is not into it, you can't twist him. You can't manipulate him into it. All relationships are growing towards each other every day. Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, you sinners, and purify your hearts. You double-minded. What do I mean when I say our relationships, we are growing closer to each other? or you're growing every day. Yes, all marriage relationships are growing every day. There are two directions. You are either growing towards each other or you're growing away from each other. Every day, every day. If you look last week and today, it's either you and your spouse, you are getting much closer and closer towards each other or you're getting further and further away from each other. So all your marriages are growing. But it's either you're growing towards each other or you're growing away from each other. Let's see how we grow. Marriage takes three, not two. Marriage takes three. It takes God, it takes a husband, and it takes a wife. If you look at it in the form of a triangle, both of you must be committed. You must be committed to one another, but you must also be committed to God. The closer you, your husband gets to God and the closer the wife gets to God, the more closer you get to one another. As you get closer to God, and he gets closer to God, your relationship will be getting closer to one another. The more you get away from God, and he gets away from God, your relationship will be growing further and further from each other. It's very important that in our relationship we involve God. Because God has already created the institution of marriage. Marriage was not instituted, was not created by Facebook. Why do you want to get your advice from Facebook? 
In actual fact, 90% of what you see on Facebook is fake. It's fake. And you only believe everything that you saw on Facebook. God created marriage. If I have a problem with my, with my Toyota, if I have a problem with my Mazda, if I have a problem with my Mercedes Benz, I take it to, to Mercedes Benz. I take it to Toyota. I take it to the people who created it, who manufactured it. You are created by God. Your marriage was created by God. When you have an issue, when you have trouble, when you have challenges, go back to the same God. And God is going to help you. When you talk about marriage, it reminds me of a story of this couple. There were, four, there were two couples. And these couples, they were hungry and they were traveling. And they had a breakdown. And when they had a breakdown, they, they were accommodated in one family uh, in the neighborhood where they had a breakdown. And the culture was, you know, when they give you food, they give you these long spoons, these long spoons. And with those two spoons, they're very long. You can't even use it to feed yourself. And they all put food on the table. And when they put food on the table, and they expect you to, uh, to start eating with these long spoons. There were a lot of food, delicious food, nice food. Now, this other couple, they looked at each other. They didn't know, they didn't know what to eat. I mean, how to eat. And they started starving. But the other couple, they said, no, this is how we can do it. Let me use this long spoon to feed you and you feed me. And they started to eat. They started to do that. The others, because the wife was angry, the husband was angry, he said, no, I can't feed them. I can't do that. They had some grudges. They could not talk to each other. They had some unforgiveness. And they started to starve with hunger. With hunger. They starved to death because they could not feed each other. Let me say this, brothers and sisters. When you start to serve your husband, when you start to serve your wife, both of you will leave. Will leave. But when you keep the silent treatment and you get angry and you live with unforgiveness, you live with grudges, you will starve. Bad marriages consist of two people who are saving each other. Your husband is there to save the wife. The wife is there to save the husband. Like I said, this is a hard issue. All bad marriage consists of two selfish people. As long as you are selfish, you will never have a successful marriage. We can give you all the te techniques and everything that we can. But if your heart is not in it, if your heart is selfish, you can't have a successful marriage. You can't have a successful relationship. Learn to serve your husband. Learn to serve your wife. When you serve him, he will serve you. When you serve her, she will serve you. You know, what you are saying is, Best marriages consist of servants. Then I will ask, what do you want? Get me some vegetables. Then he will get some vegetables and feed them. What do you want? Get me some rice. She will get some rice and serve him. That is how our marriage relationship should be. What can I do for you, my husband? How can, what can I do for you, my wife? How can I serve you? That is the attitude that we should have in our marriage relationship and whatever he needs whatever she needs we should be there to meet those needs we should be there to meet those needs 
Let's look at the unmet needs. All of us, all of us, we get married because we can't meet all our needs on our own. There are some needs you can't just, you can't meet them on your own. Even if you are a strong person, you are, you are a good human being, you know, you have all the money, you have everything. There are some needs you can't meet them on your own. There are some needs only your spouse can meet. There are some needs you can meet themselves. I mean, you can meet them yourself. And there are some needs only God can meet. So when you meet your spouse's needs, she will meet your needs also. Let me say this. The best marriages consist of two human beings who serve each other. Let's go back to business. All the best businesses, all the best businesses, are the businesses that have the best customer service department. Let that sink. All the best businesses are the businesses that have the best customer service department. My brother, my sister, if you want to have a successful marriage, you must have a marriage where when it comes to the customer service, you serve your best. You serve your best. When you go to town, when you go to the mall, the best business, the best stores are the ones that always provide the best customer service. Some needs could be met by you. Some needs can be met by God. And some needs can be met by your spouse. Unfortunately, there are sometimes as human beings who make a mistake. There are some needs that only God can meet. And you try to stretch and force your spouse to meet those needs. You have to identify what are the needs that only God can meet? What are the needs that my wife can meet? And direct your needs to the right object, to the right person. There are needs that only your spouse can meet and nobody else. And you as a spouse, you have to understand that this is a need that I'm the only one who can meet. That's why he got married. That's why he married me. That's why she married me because she has a need and I have to meet those needs. And I will go through some few needs uh, in the next few minutes. Don't push or stretch your, your spouse to meet the needs that only you or God can meet. When you meet the needs of your spouse, your spouse also do their best. They will do their best to meet your needs also. Sometimes we, we fail to, you fail to remember that our spouse are there to meet our needs. And we are there to meet their needs. We are there to meet their needs also. And sometimes it will take sacrifice for you to be able to meet their needs. We all need each other. Remember, the more you give, the more you receive. The more you meet her needs, the more she will meet your needs. And unfortunately, some of us will say, we can't sacrifice. Well, we have to sacrifice if you want to, be, uh, to have a successful marriage. We have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. Sometimes you do it even if you don't feel like. Because at some point, you will want her also to do things. Because at that point, you have a need. And maybe she's, she's not in the mood. She does not feel it. But you will expect her to do it. She also will expect you to talk when you don't feel like talking, especially as a man. Because men usually don't like talking. Maybe she will force you to watch something that you don't like. But because it's a need, you will sacrifice because you know that two, three hours later, you will expect her to sacrifice. 
But if you're not willing to sacrifice for her, she will not be willing to sacrifice for you. And I call that bargaining power. Actually, it's there in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. 22. It says, wives. I know this is the most hated verse of the scripture <laughs> among couples. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. Submit. Submit. Or maybe respect. And sometimes you feel like you have reasons why you cannot submit. Well, like I've said, sometimes that's what I call bargaining power. And God knew that you will need this. So if you submit, this is what's going to happen. Verse 24. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in, their, in everything. Verse 25. This is, my, uh, this is what I wanted to, uh, to get to. 25, it says, husbands. Now, it, it addresses the wife and the husband. Your husband, your responsibility is to love your wife. Wow. Love your wife. If you, if you as a husband keep on loving her, keep on loving her, she'll be submissive. If you as a wife keep on submitting, 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 he will love you. Some of you are saying, no, no, no. If I submit, he will abuse me. He will take advantage of me. <laughs> if I show her love, if I keep on loving her and give her things and, and be nice to her, she will take advantage of me. She may abuse my generosity. And the Bible says, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, there comes the sacrifice again. There comes the sacrifice again. In other words, Jesus sacrificed for his church. Sometimes you as a wife, you have to sacrifice for your husband. Sometimes you as a husband have to sacrifice for your wife. And that's what I call mutual submission. Mutual submission. The husband has to, to submit to the wife. And the wife has to submit to the husband. So we have to work together. We have to work together. We have to work together. Thank you, Pastor, uh, Pastor Manya. I appreciate it. We thank you for, for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. God bless you. It's an honor to have you in our midst. Thank you. We, we have to... Uh, to sacrifice for one another. If you're not willing to sacrifice for your wife, don't expect her to sacrifice for you. If you're not willing to sacrifice for your husband, don't expect him to sacrifice for you when you need him to sacrifice, when you need her to sacrifice to meet your needs. Because that's where the problem is. We are too selfish. It's all about me, 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 me. What about me? What about my needs? What about his needs? What about her needs? Are you willing to sacrifice for him? And the, somebody says, no, if I do that, you know, she will take advantage of, well, the best person does the right thing first. If you want to be the best person, be the one who does the right thing first. In actual fact, Jesus says, the one who is great is the one who is your servant. He's the one who is your servant. You have to sacrifice. You have to do it first. Don't wait for your husband to do it. He may not be able to do the right thing. Maybe it's not even part of this meeting tonight. But be willing to do the right thing. If you want the map to be right, you have to fix your heart. You have to make sure that your heart is, is right. Let's quickly go through the needs here. The first need for men, I'm going to talk about the men's needs first. Then I'll talk to the, about the women's needs. 
Men's needs, number one, men need, men need honor. That's what the Bible says. He needs respect. He needs to be honored. He needs to be respected. Men aggravate toward respect and avoid disrespect. The reason why your men lose interest in you is when you start to dishonor him. You start to disrespect him. He will lose interest in you. What attracts men, it's very easy. It's just respect. It's just respect. That's why a man will leave his house in town, his double-story house in town. Where there's no, where there's, it's not even dusty streets. You know, they, they have very nice streets, a very nice neighborhood. He will leave that house and go and sleep in a zoo, so somewhere in a shack where he finds respect. Because men are attracted to respect more than anything else. More than anything else. We have to learn to respect our men. We have to also to understand that men is imperfect. He's imperfect. And he will make mistakes. But that does not mean you have to start disrespecting your men. Especially when there are people in the crowds, you know, outside there. Do your best to show respect to your men. You will see your men's heart get attracted back to you again. Don't be negative and fault-finding. Don't be negative and fault-finding. Everything he does does not have to be criticized. When he does the right thing, let him know he did the right thing. Let him know he did the he may, he may not do the right thing every day or every time. But that little thing that he is doing, try to identify what is the right thing that he has done and comment about it. Men are weak inside. Men are weak inside. When you confront him, don't be aggressive. Show some respect. Talk to him with respect. And you'll see his heart will turn back to you. You have to know that men, they need respect. Don't nag him. If you want something from him, don't nag him. Just tell him once and pray and trust God that is the enforcer. Remember what I said? You can't change him. If you try to change him, you start to nag him and nag. The more you nag him, the more you push him away from you, by the way. If he's maybe supposed to come back home at five, and you start nagging and nagging and nagging, you know what, what will happen? Tomorrow you'll come back at six. And you continue to complain and nag and nag and nag, the next day you'll come back at seven. You continue to nag and nag and nag, the next day you'll come back at 10. Talk to him and pray to God and trust God that God will enforce it. You cannot change him by nagging. You can't change, you can change him by, by scolding him. You can change your heart, your husband, by your behavior, by your respect, and by honor. Men will do everything for honor. This is what I've said. Men will do everything. He can do anything. As long as you show him that you honor him, he will do anything for you. He will do anything for you. Number two, men's needs, second needs is sex. It's sex. And as a wife, you have to acknowledge that this is one of his main needs. And you must be committed 
to meet his needs. Even before you get married, just know that a man's needs for sex will be higher your need, higher than your need for sex. And be committed to meet those needs. If you don't meet those needs, then you are frustrating him. And we don't justify it. But at the end, because not everybody has the same level of discipline, if you don't meet that need, my, my sister, if you don't meet that need, somebody will meet that need. And you may not like it. If you don't meet the sexual need of your partner, somebody else is going to meet the sexual need of your partner. That's why even Paul, in, I think it's 2 Corinthians, Chapter 7, I can't remember with 1st or 2nd Corinthians. But in chapter 7, Paul talks about the need. You know, he says, even if you want to fast, if there is such a thing that, uh, such as fasting from sex, if you want to fast because you want to focus on, on God. Very interesting. I have never heard of a man taking that kind of a fast. So usually I guess it's sisters who fast from sex. <laughs> he says, even if you want to fast, it must be out of agreement. You have to communicate and agree first. If he says no, you can't do it. By the way, you still go to heaven even if you have not fasted. You don't go to heaven because you have fasted or not. Fasting does not take you to heaven. So if your husband says no, you cannot fast for sex, then don't do it. Because he will need you. If you don't meet that, 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 that sexual need, if you don't meet that need, somebody is going to meet it and you will not like it. Men are more sexual than women. Men are more sexual than women. Only 20% of women are more sexual than their husbands. And what it means is men will always, usually men will always be the ones who initiate sex. And it goes back to sacrifice. Sometimes he will want sex when you don't feel like. Men always think, or usually they think about sex more than women do. A study was done, and they found that 60% of men agreed. 60% of men, they agreed that they think about sex more often, more, more than once or more than twice a day. And women, there are less than 25% of women who said we think about sex more than twice a day. So men, they, they usually think about sex more than women do. And that's natural. That's, that's how it is. That's how God put it. Men are more visual, whereas women are more relational. There comes the bargaining, bargaining issue again. Men are attracted to what they see. Women are attracted to who relate with them. They want you to form a relationship with them. Build a relationship with them. Do everything to make sure that you build a relationship with the woman. When the relationship is right, you won't have to beg, you won't have to ask for sex. When there's a sexual problem, don't focus on the sexual problem. Focus on the root of the, why is he saying no? Why is she saying no? Can we solve that? Once the heart issue is resolved, she will not have a problem with sex. He will not have a problem with sex. Build a relationship first. Build that trust first. It is rare for a couple to have sexual desires at the same time. That's why the, the question of sacrifice comes in. If you say you are waiting for the time when he, you know, when he is interested in having sex or he has a sexual desire 
and she has a sexual desire, you wait for that time, you'll have sex eight times a year. <laughs> because that, that opportunity rarely comes in real life. Because what you see on TV, that is not reality. What you see on the movies, that is not reality. That is not real. Those people, they are <laughs> they're at work. They are doing their job. They are getting paid to do what they are doing. Most of them, they will look like they have perfect relationships when you watch the movie, when you watch whatever you're watching, the soapy on TV. And the next day you will read on the newspaper that he has divorced. He said, but this guy on TV, it looks like he has a perfect relationship. What's going on in his life? Because what you see on TV, it's not real. It's not real. So we have to be realistic. Another thing that a man needs is friendship. It's friendship. Men do not share their challenges. They do not share their problems with anybody else except their friends. You know, yesterday, Dr. Ganesh did a great, great teaching on friendship. I wish we could, we could get that. You know, uh, if anybody needs that, please connect with me or, 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 or Pastor Z. Uh, or Pastor Dodi will, 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 will make sure we arrange it for you. Please connect with us. We'll, give, we'll get you uh, that audio or a video. I think we have it on YouTube also. Dr. Garish did a great, great, great job on friendship. Men need a friend. And men only open up. They share whatever they need to share. They only communicate with their friends. If you want your husband to start talking, as most Women, they complain, my husband doesn't talk. My husband is not opening up. The question is, are you his friend? Are you his friend? If you're not his friend, he's not going to talk. How do you become friends with somebody? You like what they like. Sometimes you have to sacrifice and start playing game with him, games with him if he likes video games. If he likes sports, get into his world and like his sports also. Become his friend. When you are his friend, he will open up and start talking. If you like soccer, sacrifice. And also, you know, instead of trying to, to control the remote, he wants to watch soccer, you want to watch Mubango. And you start to struggle with him. And he gives up and he goes to the bedroom and sleeps. And you expect him to open up the next day and communicate openly with you. Get into his world. If you want him to come back home early, be friends with, let him know he's coming back to his friends. A wife might become, must become the number one friend of her husband. And a husband must become the number one friend of his wife. The more friendly you are, the more you are friends, the more he'll open up and communicate. Men open up their hearts when you come to their world and befriend them. If you're not friends, he will never open up to you. The reason why he's not communicating with you it means you're not friends enough. Create space for friendship. Do things together. If he likes walking, take a walk with him. Get into his world. Like what he likes. Actually, by the way, the reason why you loved him, the reason why you guys got into, into, into a relationship, it's because at some point, there are some things in common that you like. Maybe you went to church together. You went to the SCM together, or SCO together, or the youth group together. There is something that you did together. Maybe you were in the same class at school. I don't know where you met. But there is something in common. Why don't you go back and revisit that, like I said earlier. Revisit that that connected you. 
that made you to be friends. There's a saying in English, they say, keep dancing with the one who brought you to the party. Don't go to the party and start dancing with other people who did not bring you to the party. The person who invited you to the party, the person who brought you to the party, the person who brought you, who drove you to the party. When it's time to dance, dance with that person. Dance with that person. Keep dancing with the person who brought you to the party. Become friends. If you are not friends, he will not communicate with you. You no longer have a communication problem once you become friends. Let's go to the woman's needs. The number one need for women is security. This is very, very important for women. Brothers, just make sure you make your wife feel secure. Your wife might be secure in her relationship. Women feel secure with a sacrificial, sensitive man. You remember what Paul said in the book of Ephesians? We have to sacrifice. When a woman sees you sacrifice your time, she sees you sacrifice your finances. She sees you sacrifice your energy. She sees you sacrifice everything in your life. That woman feels secure. That is why most women don't prefer to have their own place. Once you get married, they want to have their own house. They want to have their own place where they feel a sense of control, then where they will feel secure. If they feel threatened that there is another woman who is who's, who's taking a space, then they feel insecure. Then we'll have a problem, my brother. Don't create. Don't create an environment of suspicion in your relationship. Be open with your wife. The more you are open, the more you sacrifice and you give her a sense of security. You will never run leg of anything. She will do her best to meet your needs. Give her a sense of security in your relationship. Be sensitive to her needs. Women feel secure or insecure when men are not sensitive to their needs. Always sacrifice what is it that she needs. Be creative and meet those needs. Sometimes even before she asks, just go ahead and give it to her. Go ahead and buy whatever she needs. It could be clothing, it could be jewelry, it could be whatever she needs, you know, in her life. Maybe she needs you to help your mother-in-law or your father-in-law, brother-in-law. Sacrifice the little that you have. Give her the support that she needs. Sacrifice. The more you sacrifice for her, the more secure she feels. But if she feels like you are neglecting her, she will avoid you. And the gap will continue to widen. A woman always says in her heart, I will only meet your needs as long as you sacrifice for me. That's how important sacrifice is for us, brothers and sisters. We have to sacrifice for her. When you sacrifice for her, when you do things for her, even when it's not, sacrifice means you do it even when it's not convenient for you. Sacrifice for her. Christ sacrificed for the church and we also have to sacrifice for our wives. Always show that you are thinking about it. When you are out on a trip, just buy something, get her something. Call her, give her a call, text message. Let her know you are thinking of her, you are thinking about her. And that shows a sense of security that, oh, he still thinks about me, even when I'm not here, even when he's at, at work. Send a text message. Say something nice to her. Like I said, ownership brings a sense of security. A woman always wants to feel like she owns your house. She owns you. Yes, she wants to feel like she owns you. 
Give her that opportunity to feel like she owns you. There is no any other person who owns you more than, more than her. And that gives her a sense of security. Number two, a woman needs love and affection. You remember what you said earlier about men? Men need honor and respect. Women need love. How do I show love to my wife? You show her by listening to her. You know, in most cases, when we talk to women, the number one complaint that they have about their men is, he does not listen to me. He does not listen to me. And it's very true. Men usually do not listen to their wives. And that is, a, that is one of the needs that a woman needs from you. She wants you to listen to her. Give her space. Connect with her. Communicate with her. It goes back to sacrifice again. Sometimes you may not feel like talking, but well, you have to sit down and listen. And don't listen with the intent of responding. Listen with the intent of showing interest in what she's saying. Maybe sometimes you turn off the TV and let her talk. Listen to her. Listen to her. If you don't listen to her, two, three hours later, you will need her. And she will not meet your needs also. And you wonder why. She will tell you, I don't feel good. I have a headache. You know, I'm not feeling well. I don't feel like it. And she won't sacrifice for you. And you come back and complain. But did you listen to her three hours earlier? Did you listen to her in the afternoon? Connect with her. Your woman needs your most attention or utmost attention. Always give her the attention that she needs. Even if you do not feel like, like I keep on saying, sacrifice for her. Sacrifice for her. Do it for her sake. Number three, women need open and honest communication. Uh, Genesis chapter 225, the Bible says, it talks about Adam and Eve. It says, and they were both naked. The man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Feel free to communicate with her. Talk to her. Talk to her. Luke chapter 645 says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Speak from your heart. Be honest with your, with your wife. Take time to explain and answer questions. You know, women, they, 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 they like explanation. Details matter to women. And feelings, it matter to them. If, 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 if you go to work, when you come back and they say, how was your day? What they're expecting, they wanted to tell them, you woke up at, at, at 5.52 in the morning. You took a shower, you put on your clothes and you, you drove and there were a lot of cars, a lot of traffic. Uh, you had a good day and, 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 and this is what happened at job when you had a meeting and oh, you remember so and so, you know, Brother John, I met him in town and he was with his wife and this was it. You tell them, they, they expect you to tell them everything. Whereas with a man, if he says, how was your day? A man will simply say, fine. I had a good day. Thank you. Women do not enjoy summary. And when you do that, you are connecting with them. When you do that, you are preparing her. So that when it comes, times come, comes for her to sacrifice for you, she will sacrifice for you also. Communicate with her. When you communicate with her, you are building that trust. She will trust you more. And the other thing that a woman needs is leadership. Brothers, let's lead our families. Be an initiator at home. When decisions have to be made, be a spiritual leader. Be a leader even in finances. 
Be a leader even when you have to make decisions about your children, about your church. Be a leader even in your prayer life. Be the one who leads your family. Don't make your decisions and drag her. Make decisions with her. When you make decisions with her, you are giving her the confidence. Number one, I trust you. I trust that you can make a right decision also. But if you make decisions and you expect her to, to join you later, she will just say, whatever. And once you hear a woman says, whatever, it does not mean she agrees with you, by the way. And once you, you hear her say, I don't care, after you have made a decision, it does not mean that she agrees with you. I know of some, some brothers who will go to town and search for a car and buy a car and try to surprise the wife and come back home with a huge installment. And you expect the wife to rejoice in that. When you have to make big decisions, discuss it with your wife. Let her participate. Let her participate. Let her feel like she's part of the decision making. And she will support you all the way. She will support you all the way. Because if you have bought that car and here you have an installment to pay, maybe at some point you, you, you can't pay or you lose your job. And she does not support it. She does not pay and help you pay for an installment. Now you wonder why she's not participating. It's because she made that big decision without her consent. Don't dominate. Don't over control. If you dominate or control your wife, it will hurt your relationship. We have to work with our wives. We have to work with them. And the next session is about uh, relationship killers. Like I said earlier, you know, I'm trying to combine two sessions in one year. This one is a different session altogether. It may take us about the next 15 to 20 minutes. And I'll quickly go through this. So then we go to the question and answer session. Now, there are things that will kill your relationships if you are not careful. And if you don't take care of them, your relationship will be in trouble. Let's quickly go through those. Number one, it's abuse. I know we talk a lot about abuse in the media and everywhere. There are different forms of abuse. Yes, even Christians, they abuse each other in their families. It's happening. It's happening, even among Christians. Men abuse their wives, and their wives also can abuse men. It goes both ways. Although it's more prevalent, it's more men who are abusing women. But also there are, there are women who are abusing their husbands. Abuse could be in different form. It could be physical abuse, mental abuse, or emotional abuse, verbal abuse, financial abuse. You withhold your finances until she does something. That's not how to, that's not how to, to show love. Abuse is damaging, and it will damage your relationship. Don't stay in an abusive relationship, my sister. If there is any abuse, please quickly go and seek for help. Quickly find some help and accountability. Go to your pastor. Go to your counselor. Go to the church elder. Or maybe go to the police if need be. Go to the social worker. Don't die in that abuse. Most people who end up killing their wives and end up killing their, uh, their children and everybody in the family, it did not start there. It started as verbal abuse. It started as emotional abuse. And you kept on saying, no, it will get better. And that he said, it will get better. No, 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 no. At some point, it will finally kill you. 
And sometimes he even tells you every day, I will kill you, I will kill you, I will kill you. Don't, don't wait, run. Seek for help. Nobody is born to be abused by another man. Nobody deserves to be abused. If there is any form of abuse, please don't stay. Go and ask for help. I'm not saying divorce. I'm saying go and ask for help. If need be, you stay away from him for some time. You go and stay with your relatives. Go and stay with your church members or somebody until there is an accountability of some kind and mediator between the two of you. Don't try to communicate with him, you know, between the two of you and he, uh, he woos you and, and you come back. No, no. Get somebody involved and they help you resolve the issue. Number two is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, if you do not, you do not forgive, this is what's going to happen. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. A person who, who struggles with, with unforgiveness, that person will always stay bitter, no matter what happens. you see it later as I, as I continue. A person who lives in the, in the land of unforgiveness, they will be, even if they try to hide it, they will be bitter, they will be angry. You will hear them by harsh words. They are always harsh. Even if you ask them a very simple thing. Ask them a very simple thing. Where is the soap? He will tell you, I'm not a soap security. I don't know where. I don't keep soaps. You know, he will always speak harsh words to you. That person is bitter. Marriage life is a life of forgiveness, brothers and sisters. If you can't forgive, please do yourself a favor. Don't get married. If you can't forgive, Please do your spouse a favor. Don't get married. If you are married and you live in unforgiveness, that marriage will go nowhere. You will start to abuse each other. You will abuse one another. You have to learn to forgive. Ask God to help you to live a life of forgiveness. You must forgive every day. If you don't forgive every day, you will stay with grudges. You will stay bitter. You'll stay angry. You'll be full of rage. And you'll start speaking harsh words to your spouse. Forgive everybody, not only your wife. Forgive everybody. Why? Because if you do not forgive people, you still remain bitter. You still at rage. You still remain with that anger. You know what's going to happen? Your spouse may become a victim of your anger. Your spouse will become a victim of your anger if you do not forgive. If you are hurt, it will come out and show on your spouse. Because you have not forgiven somebody in church. You have not forgiven somebody at your work, maybe your boss or your manager or your neighbor. You have not forgiven them. Your wife becomes an outlet of your anger at home. Your children become an outlet of your anger at home. Then you see a cycle of bitterness. Because when you are angry at your wife, then you mistreat your wife. Your wife becomes angry at the, at the ch children at home. And the whole home is just confusion. It becomes confusion. Let's learn to forgive brothers and sisters. It's going to help us, going to help our, our families. Your spouse will become an outlet of your anger and unforgiveness if you do not forgive. 
Forgiveness is the most important part of emotional healing. When you forgive, you get healed. When you forgive, you get healed. If you don't forgive, you don't get healed. It's very, very important to learn to forgive. It's very, very important to learn to forgive. Forgiveness is the most important part of your relationship. Another relationship killer is lack of communication. I know we talked about this already. In Genesis chapter 2.25, the Bible says, and they were both naked, and man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Feel free to talk with your wife. The Bible says, death and life are in the power of your tongue. Proverbs chapter 18.21. And those who love it will eat its fruit. It says, it's very important to understand when you talk, you're either building your wife or destroying your wife. You're either building your husband or destroying your husband. You're either building your relationship or, or, or destroying your relationship. The life and the death of your relationship is in your tongue. The way you talk to him, the way you talk to her, it can either build or destroy your relationship. Why do I say this? It's because this verse is related to relationship. It's related to marriage. Look at verse 22. It continues to say, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Wow. Wow. So how you talk to him, how you talk to her, will determine the quality of your marriage. Learn to communicate well with your wife. Learn to communicate well with your husband. If you do not communicate, you are kept in darkness. Nobody will know what's going on in your life. Nobody will ever know what's going on in your heart. It's very important when you communicate, when they do something right, learn to praise them, learn to appreciate them. Appreciation is very, very crucial in relationships. Be nice to your husband. Be nice to your wife. You have to speak nice to them. You have to be nice to them. It's very, very important to talk good words to them. Tell them when they do something right. In actual fact, this is how you approach your wife. This is how you approach your husband. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. When you approach them, approach them with thanksgiving. Identify every good thing that they have done and you thank them. Thank you for marrying me. Thank you for being my wife. Thank you for being my husband. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful. Bless your husband. Bless your wife. Praise them. That's how you approach them. It even applies with your, with your children. If they want to ask for the pair of shoes and they sound so harsh on you, usually you will not even give them, give it to them. But if they say, oh, my father, thank you for being my father. You always take care of us. We never, we never starve. We never sleep hungry because of you. Thank you for being my father. I thank God for having identified you as my father. Then in the morning he comes and oh, my father, I think I need, oh, dad, I think I need some shoes. There's no father who will say no to that. You will sacrifice everything for that, for him. And the same thing applies to our spouses. Try to speak good words to them. I know you will say, oh, that's not me. That's not my personality. Well, you have to create it. You have to learn to create it. If you want to have a good marriage, if you want to have a healthy marriage, you have to do it. You have to do it. All good marriages are built on good words. All bad marriages, they are destroyed because of bad words. Whatever you say to, in, your, in your marriage, 
will either build or destroy your marriage. A woman wants a thankful husband. A woman wants a husband who will say, thank you. And a wife also wants a thankful husband. Focus on his or her strength and talk about them. Tell her what she's good at. Don't always criticize her and tell her what she's not good at. You know, it reminds me of this husband. He was always critical of his wife. And the other day, the other day he came back from work and he asked the wife to, you know, to prepare some eggs for him. Because he was always critical. He never said anything good. And she did her best to prepare very nice eggs for, for him. And she brought the eggs to him. And he looks at the eggs and he went straight to the refrigerator and he took out the crate of eggs. And he told her, oh, you made a big mistake. And she said, what? He said, oh, you chose the wrong eggs. You picked the wrong eggs. <laughs> you should not have picked this egg. He always wants to find some fault. Don't be a fault finder. You know, another thing that will hurt your relationship is your past hurts and anger. Being always angry. That is not good. Find some help. Seek some help. Be open. Talk and let your partner know you are hurt. It's okay to let him know. To let him know. All of us will get angry at some point. But you can't stay angry forever. The devil likes it when you are angry and you stay in darkness. You hide yourself. Because darkness is a breeding ground for the devil. He enjoys it when you stay there. That, that's what the Bible says. Don't stay angry for long. Because the devil, you know, he loves it. Ephesians chapter 14 says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Learn to control your anger. Don't stay long in your anger. For anger gives a foothold. Foothold to the devil. The devil always wants to see you angry. The devil always wants to see you angry. When you are angry, you are creating a good environment for him. When you are angry, you are creating a space, a playground for the devil. When you are angry, the devil will have a foothold in your relationship, in your marriage. When you are angry, the devil takes control of your mind because he will start showing you all the bad things that she has done, all the bad things that he has done in the past. And he will play all those movies only when you are angry. Because anger will bring a lot of suspicions in your relationship. Forgiveness and communication will heal anger. Learn to forgive, my brother, and start communicating. Open up. That will heal the anger that you have in your life. You know, we're living in a society where we have, we have men who are full of anger, women who are full of anger. They are so angry, even when, when they talk. You can see on their faces that they are angry. And that anger will not build your relationship. That anger will not build you, but it will destroy you. The other thing that always kills relationship is blame, a blame game and criticism. Don't criticize and don't always blame your husband. It started from Genesis chapter 3, 12, right from the beginning. Remember when Adam and Eve have sinned, the Bible says, then the man said, the woman whom you gave me to be with, with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Here is a man who blames his wife. Verse 13. 
And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So everybody's blaming one another. Let's not live that kind of life in our marriage relationship. Give your spouse more grace. We all make mistakes. Your spouse will make mistakes if you have not discovered it yet. But you have to give them some room. Give them some grace. Show them some grace. Criticisms will not build, but it will kill your relationship. You can't always criticize your spouse. You can't always criticize him. Always criticize her. You always don't like her dress. You always don't like his colors. You always don't like whatever is. Always you don't like it. That's not going to help you. It's not building your relationship. It's destroying and killing your relationship. The more you criticize, the more you push him away. The more you criticize, the more you push her away. In public, do your best to praise him. In public, do your best to, to praise her. If there is anything that you need to correct or reprimand, do it in private when you are two. Don't correct your husband in public. Don't correct your wife in public. That is dangerous. That will kill your relationship. And never compare your spouse with anyone else. Don't say to your husband, you know, so and so is better than you. is better than you. He worships better than you. Why don't you preach like him? Why don't you speak like him? Why don't you worship like him? Don't tell your wife, so-and-so dresses better than you. Why are you not married to him? Why are you not married to her? If he's better than your spouse. If she's better than your spouse. You see them, they are better because you don't live with them. The grass is always greener on the other side. But it means somebody is watering the grass. And you don't know what makes the grass looks greener. Maybe there is some manure over there. And you all, you know, all know that manure smells. Manure smells. And you don't go and see their manures or smell their manures. That is making the green grass stay green. So always don't compare your husband. Don't compare your wife with anybody else. Your wife is the best wife ever. Your husband is the best husband that God gave you. Number six, wrong companion and friendships or influence. This is very, goes back to friendship. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Do not undermine the power of influence and proximity. You must have the right friends and association in your life. Because friendship and associations, they predict your future. This is very important. In most cases, people are influenced by other people. They are influenced by their friends. Divorce, adultery, addictions, they run in groups. Most of these things are done in groups. It means somebody is influencing you. You must associate with the right people. Get the right WhatsApp group. Get the right uh, Zoom group. Get the right Facebook group. Get the right group in church. Associate with them. People who are for marriage, not who are against marriage. People who will help you build your relationship, not destroy your relationship. Associate with the right people. Because people who are, in, who are miserable, they always send people, other people to join them. Misery loves company. 
Misery loves company. Choose the right friends. Choose the right association. Choose the right influence in your life. The people you work with, they have a great influence in your life. Every day you become more and more like your friends. Any friend that you have, every day you are becoming more and more like them. My brother, my sister, review your friends. Review your friendship. Those people are influencing you. Whether you are aware or not, they are influencing you. The reason you are your friends is because you have something in common. It's because there is something that you like and they like. That's why you are friends. That's the only reason why you are friends. So choose the right people. You'll become more and more like the right person. Friends always encourage you to do what they do. If they smoke, they will encourage you to smoke. If they drink, they will encourage you to drink. Whatever you do, it's because of the influence of your friends. You know, we always say to the young people when we advise them, show me your five friends and I will show you where you will be in the next five years. Because every day you become more and more like your friends. Number seven, this is very important, brothers and sisters. This is very important. Defensiveness. Defensiveness in the relationships. This is the first predictor of divorce. Actually, studies have shown, you know, a, 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 an assessment was done and it was found that people who are always defensive, usually they don't last in the relationship. Don't be defensive. When you have done something wrong, accept it and move on. The more defensive you are, the more you are pushing your spouse away from you. Allow your spouse to speak when something is wrong. Don't, 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 don't try to cover it up and be defensive. It will, it will not last long. It will not last long. Allow your spouse to, compl to complain when something is wrong and validate their consent. Accept it. Yes, I'm sorry that you feel this way. But this is how it is. Entertain a problem. When there's a problem, entertain it. Solve it. Don't avoid it. Don't be defensive, my brother. When you are wrong, accept it that you are wrong. You'll be so amazed how gracious your wife will be. Because your wife, remember, your wife is not your enemy. Your wife wants to build a relationship. That's why she points out that we have a problem here. That's why he points out that there is something that I'm not satisfied with. Don't be defensive. Don't, don't, don't try to hide it. Just accept it. Say, yes, let's talk about it. Let's discuss it. And sometimes it may not be a real issue. But the more defensive you are, the more you bring suspicion in your relationship. Every functional relationship or every functional family, they talk things through. They talk when there are issues. You don't just hide. You don't just keep quiet. You don't just run away. You sit down and talk. Like I said, it all depends on your heart. If your heart is into it, it's into it. If your heart is into building the relationship, you will sit down and talk. You will not avoid her. Don't be defensive. Your spouse should be free with you. Do not intimidate him. Do not intimidate her. Because if you intimidate him or you intimidate her, or you use what they say to you and you use it against them, next time they will not talk. Because they know you're going to use it against them. You're going to remind them of the past. So always be open. Talk things through. Let them talk. Give them an opportunity to talk. 
This is very important. Underline this. Problems do not solve themselves. Problems do not solve themselves. If you avoid solving the problems, don't think when you wake up in the morning it will be resolved. You have to talk it through. Don't lock up your problems. Don't lock up your problems. Speak them through. Talk. If you need somebody to help you, feel free to get somebody to help you. Talk to your pastor. Talk to somebody in church. Talk to your counselor. Call somebody to come and intervene. And they come with, you know, with an external view because they don't have even a, a personal interest into the issue. They will have a different view, a different perspective than yours. Talk things through. Your problems will not just automatically solve themselves if you do not resolve them. Number eight, controlling behavior. Make major decisions together. We talked about this. Regarding your finances, don't, don't be too controlling. If you control your wife, you are squeezing her. Allow her to breathe. Allow her to talk. Whether you make decisions about your home, your finances, your children or, or your church, don't be too controlling. Do not leave him or your hair behind. Be in agreement with your wife. Be in agreement with your husband. Talk. Share your thoughts with them. Communicate with them. Communicate with them. Don't make decisions and leave them behind and expect them to, you know, to keep following you. You have to make decisions with them. Don't be over-controlling. And the last one, then we're going to pray. Abandonment, neglect. Do not turn your heart away from your spouse, especially when we are going, they are going through a difficult and challenging situation. This is COVID, COVID uh, period. Some women are hurt. Some, some men are in pain right now. Find a way to support them. Be with them. Be with them. When they're in sickness, when they're in pain, give them all the support that they need. You'll be so amazed that they you need their support. They will give you the 100% support that you need also. Don't turn your heart away from your, your spouse. I'm talking about your heart. You remember we talked about the heart earlier. Your heart must be into this thing. All adultery is a result of abandonment. If you abandon your, your wife, you abandon your husband, somebody is going to receive them and you'll be hurt. Somebody at work will give her, if you don't give her an opportunity to talk, if you don't give her an opportunity to express her feelings, somebody at work, somebody in the office will give her that space to do that. And you will not like it. All of us have broken God's heart many times, but God always says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Can you say that to your wife? Like Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Can you tell your husband? My husband, my wife, no matter how tough it gets, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Can you make that commitment to him? Tell him, tell her, I will fight for our relationship. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. My brother, my sister, never leave your partner behind, especially in fire. 
especially in fire, when things get hot, you don't leave. Is the more you get committed. When it's tough, when they are sick, when they have a sick mother, when they have a sick sister, when they have a sick, a sick husband or a sick, uh, a sick father, a sick brother, are you there for them? Are you there to support them? Can you sacrifice something for them? We talked about sacrifice earlier. Can you try to get into your husband's world? Can you try to get into your wife's world? What is that they are going through right now? What pain are they going through right now? Please don't leave them. Please do your health, do yourself a favor. Give them all the support. And this is very important because giving God, he talks about it. The more you support him, the more you support her, God is going to bless you. Look at Malachi chapter 2 verses. The Bible says, for I hate divorce. Divorce means to separate. Says the Lord and the God of Israel, and I hate, I hate, if God says, I, we all, always we say God is a God of love. Let me say, my brother, my sister, there are things that God hates. And here is one of them. And God says, I hate the man who does wrong to his wife. I want to be hated by my neighbor. I want to be hated by my pastor. I want to be hated by my my, 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 uh, my friends. I want to be hated by every one of you. But I don't want to be hated by God. I don't. I don't. God says, I hate it when you mistreat your wife. God does not like it when you mistreat your wife. My brother, be committed to your wife. Can you make your heart right into it? First Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, giving honor to the wife. Giving honor to the wife, respect your wife as to the wicked vessel and as being heirs together for the grace of life. I like the last part it says that your prayers may be heard, that your prayers may not be hindered. Women power, women have power here on earth and they have power also in heaven. If you mistreat your wife, the Bible says God does not even listen to your prayers. No matter how much you cry, no matter how much you scream, no matter how much you sound so 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 you know so so reverential when you pray, you even quote scriptures before God. God says, "I don't care, I don't care," because you're not treating your wife right. I don't care. If you don't treat your wife right, God says He does not listen to your prayers. No matter what your position is in church, God does not listen to you. He says you have to respect your wife. You have to listen to your wife. You have to communicate with your wife. You have to be committed to your wife. You have to love your wife. Then when you pray, God will listen to you. Your woman, your wife, has power in heaven. Let's be committed to our relationships. Your heart must be into it. Let's close with this scripture. That you started with. Do you see this in your relationship? Is this how you treat your husband? Is this how you treat your wife? When you say you love him, make love a verb. When you sacrifice for your wife, she will sacrifice for you. The reason why she refused to sacrifice for you, it's because you're not sacrificing for her. It's because you're not sacrificing for him.
You have to do things that you don't feel like for the sake of the success of your relationship. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 4 says, Love is patient. Are you patient with your wife? Are you patient or always, always you are angry at her? You are impatient with her. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Life is, is not boastful. It's not proud. It's not rude. It does not demand its own ways. It's not selfish. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Don't give up on your spouse, please. Don't give up with, on them. Do your, your best to help them. Don't lose faith on them. Be hopeful that things will get better. And lastly, love endures through every circumstance. Whatever you go through with your husband, whatever you go through with your wife, can you endure that? Be strong. And God is going to bless you. Let's pray. Father, we come before you tonight. We thank you for this time. We thank you that you are so faithful and trustworthy. Mighty God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity that we had to talk about relationships, to talk about marriages. And I pray that God, you will help us, guide us, lead us. I want to pray for every couple that is here. I pray for every man and woman that is here to check their hearts, to check their hearts. The Bible says, guard your hearts. 